Don Rahul Jimenez. How amateur is that? Like, you don't even see that down in the park. If they, if they lose, it provides great content. I am supporting every team that plays break. I'm not making a documentary this year about how shit my club is. Mudman, thank you as always. Who would you rather lose it to, by the way, me or Johnny? That's somebody's choice. Hello, um, welcome back to the Sports Bubble. I have Jetty with me. Jetty, how you doing? Not too bad, Brent. How's things your end? Not too bad. Um, Jetty and I are joined this week by... Um, he's a couple of different titles. I'll give him his full titles. Um, the Honest Online Coach, one half of Dirt Civil, and he's just started his own uh, solo podcast, Morning Coffee with Tim. It's Tim Gallagher. Tim, how you doing? Very good. Good. Thanks for having me on. No worries. That's a... That's a lot of titles there, isn't it? You're you're a busy man. I uh, well, I think I, I try to keep busy. I try to keep busy. Probably can't do too much, but um, I know it's uh, it sounds whenever you said all them titles there. I was like, Craig, I could maybe try and morph them all into <laughs> one, but um, it's uh, it's it's, uh, it's just a case of trying to keep busy. I think, especially at the minute. Yeah, um, podcasts are are a, a big deal at the minute it seems like we were just chatting there before we started recording um everybody seems to have their own pod and, and a lot of people are are guessing on different pods as well um it's a it's probably a uh relatively new world um for you as well but starting dirt civil and um i just want to know how like how that felt sort of jumping into the into the world of podcasts and and it obviously it took off massively we're big fans on this part of, of dirt civil um how did that feel you know kind of getting thrust into the spotlight everybody knowing your name along with mccann i it was uh it was weird i think um i think the reason we started it like me and mccann have been mates since since secondary school since we were kind of 12 13 so whenever i guess podcasts I think I think Colin Geddes was probably one of the first ones that done it properly, you know, consistently, mm-hmm. um, especially in the comedy scene. Um, and then with McCann, I guess, being such good mates with him. And then podcasts, like, me and both listen to a lot of podcasts. So I mm-hmm. think it just kind of naturally, McCann was up with it at the one time. We were like, should we, should we give it a go? Didn't know if it was going to be, you know. Was was chatting about doing a solo one, but then you guys probably agree. You know, it's quite difficult on your own. I don't know if you've ever done solo ones, but it's it's quite difficult on your own. It's always good to have you know someone mate or someone to bounce off. You know, it just kind of it just kind of helps the conversation flow a bit. So we were like, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a go and we'll start it. That was about a year ago now, maybe a bit over a year. And it just took off, you know. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Looking, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like work to us, you know. It's just we're just two mates having a chat, you know. So it's kind of yeah. if it ever stops becoming that, or if it feels like work, I think that would be the time to stop because we it's the, it's the same thing. coffee shop, or we would have, but we just you know we have talks and we put it on the internet and. You know, people seem to enjoy it. And I think especially over lockdown, I think people just like, you know, hear going on in other people's lives and, you know, just, I guess, different takes on the thing happening in the world and a bit of a, a release from 
the news and, and all the nonsense that you hear on, on a daily at the minute. So it's, it's kind of one of them things. I love podcasts, and I think they're incredible. Listen to an awful lot of them. Um, so it's just nice to have. Yeah, I, I suppose that the COVID pandemic's kind of put everybody onto podcasts, I think. Like, I remember last mm. year when, when the lockdown kicked in and, like, we were sitting thinking, like, we're obviously mainly sports podcasts and with no sport going on, we kind of had to try and, I suppose, reinvent ourselves in a way to try and bring out content for people to listen to. So, like, we have literally talked about so many different things from, like, <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer to the Avengers to, you know, Given ourselves actual Avengers characters, like I was Rocket and Branton's Groot, so like, <laughs> but like, like you said, it's it's so it's so nice to kind of sit and have a chat with someone, like because we obviously can't do that at the moment. Like, go out for a coffee with your mates, well, legally, you know, you yeah. can't do that. But like, how did you like? Did you find since the pandemic was kind of kicked in, like, has your social media maybe boom? Like, have more people been like watching your videos, listening to your podcast? Like, people come to you to kind of inspire them or give them motivation because that's what we kind of all need right now is a bit of motivation and someone to tell us that there's light at the end of the tunnel and it's going to be okay you know because sometimes it can be so grim especially when you watch Arsenal but we'll talk about them later on yeah no that's a totally different subject watching Arsenal that that would definitely depress me sometimes but but no it, it is I guess for me it was weird because I, I ran a gym for, for four years so along with, with sports massage and then I guess when the when the pandemic hit, I was taking my full business online. I was in the middle of taking my full business online, and then I guess the pandemic just sped everything up. Um, so, so I've kind of, I guess I've took a lot more notice of social media because it's like eighty percent of my job now. Whereas when I was in the gym, I was concentrated on my clients in the gym and you know the sports massage. So I, it's hard to know whether it's it's boomed, but it definitely, I guess I've a lot more focus into it like I, I put out regular content now I, I make sure you know like I have a content schedule and I make sure that things are going out all the time and I get a lot more DMs I guess that comes from from Dirt Civil and I guess more of a platform but it's uh I think people are struggling a lot more naturally which is you know it's 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 totally understandable the way things are at the minute and it, I, I'm getting a lot more DMs from people you know, reaching out that might be struggling with with their weight or with their mindset or or any of these things, and you know, I'm I'm more than happy to help. I try and get back to to everyone, um. But yeah, definitely, I, I can notice people are coming to social media a lot more, um, and trying to, I guess, just put like the pandemic's a weird one and the lockdowns are a weird one because I think it's okay to to feel a little bit lost and it's okay to kind of do very little. For, for, for a long period of time. It's not as if, I think the first lockdown was like an, nearly a productivity contest and, you know, everyone was trying to do things and then people weren't really looking at anyone that was doing work and they were like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be trying to make, like, they were feeling bad maybe because they weren't maybe doing as much. But I think now yeah. we're so used to them. It's just one of these things. Like, I, I just try and inspire people as much as I can and, and I can only do my bit. Um, there's so much negativity on social media as well. So I just try and add value where I can help people in any way, you know, health, fitness, mindset related. Um, and that's all I can really focus on. But there's that, definitely been been an increase in social media use, I would say, 100%. That, that's kind of interesting you said there about um, 
negativity like we've seen you know in sport like Reese James this week getting a lot of abuse online racist abuse like, do you get that at all not racist now obviously but like do you get a lot of trolls that will come onto your page maybe onto your comments or send you dms that kind of try and throw you off what you're doing because you find a lot of people like that are more or less just jealous kind of, of what you're doing and particularly when you're you're successful and you're doing well at it like you know obviously i haven't had anybody troll me yet because you know like sports ball was not quite there yet but we're getting there you know and uh, i can be quite controversial with things i say and love to absolutely <laughs> wind the shit out of Tottenham fans and i will no matter how much abuse i get but like, do you get that at all like do people try and put you down because of what you're doing um n- not really not really i'm very fortunate i'm very fortunate in that, in that way no i'll get i'll get snidey remarks and i'll get you know smart comments but yeah. it really doesn't hit me at all. It doesn't affect me at all. Like I, if I get anyone giving me abuse, I just kind of laugh and I kind of just brush it off. I know some people do take it to heart, and some people, you know, get hit with it a lot more than others. Um, but no, I, I'm quite fortunate. I, I don't really get. I'll get people disagreeing with certain things, but that's fine. You know, I can normally turn it into a conversation, and we'll normally come to an agreement, or we'll just be like, you know, everyone's allowed their opinion. You know, everyone's had, had yeah. different opinions, and that's yeah. that's all good. And I think There's that's healthy as well. But it's just one of these things. It's like um, I put out what I believe in, and if people want to listen, if people want to take it in, if it helps people, amazing. If you don't want to take it in, whatever. You know, that's fine. I I don't I don't mind. You know. Do your own thing. Follow people that you trust, and follow people that you get value from. Um, but no, I'm I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky. I don't get I don't get much abuse. I, I'm no big I'm no big celebrity or nothing. I, I don't I don't have any trolls. Um, yeah, and, and hopefully it stays that way. You know, but um, but no 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 real issues like that. Thankfully. One of the things I I would be interested to hear from you, Tim, is we um I suppose back when when we started the sports bubble um it wasn't really a a normal thing for for lads to do you know from over here and i've heard gaddis talking about this before and and uh, mccann as well about if you try to do something in this country or you know if oh, you yeah. start something new um you know you're always going to get people like what what are they who do they think they are or, or what are they doing like you know do you get any of that i i, do, I hear that's one thing that i hate about about over here and i even wrote yeah. a blog on it about five years ago believe it or not i think when i was leaving school i went to uni in england um and then when i came back it was then when i noticed it even more so obviously i spent three years out of like away from here and then came back so even it's really highlighted even more so definitely you know definitely I, I, we don't really get it too much i think it's because because i with dirt civil you know mccann with him being a comedian, you know, full-time comedian, you know, people kind of expect it anyway. And then they've kind of got to know us, you know, through the podcast, and it's kind of the way we go on anyway. So I don't think anyone kind of thought anything different of it. They probably just think anyone that knew us from school are probably like, oh, Tim and McCann, Stabberian, you know, classic. That. <laughs> <laughs> they've been at that since they were 12, you know, so it's no, it's no real different. But uh, you, def- you definitely do get, you know, haters to some extent you have people that will will make smart comments and but we don't really see them like we don't really pay much attention to them i i have no control over what someone thinks of me so like as long as we believe in what we're doing and we just keep 
you know, doing the podcast every week and we're enjoying it. And as long as we get good feedback, you know, we're we're very lucky that we get, you know, people sharing it on their Instagram and people messaging and people even mm-hmm. saying that it's given them, you know, positivity through the lockdown and helped their mental health and things like that. When, whenever you get messages like that, you do you will you'll not you'll not hear someone saying something negative. Um, because whenever you're helping someone in that way, especially mental health related at the minute, you know, you just got to keep doing it uh, and, and we enjoy it. And if it's helping people along the way as well, even just give them a bit of a break and a laugh over lockdown, that far outweighs the one or two smart comments you might get every month or every episode, you know, so it means, and you can't control, I just feel sorry for people that, I, I ultimately feel sorry for people that take the time out of their day to abuse someone online. That's a that's a total reflection of them. It's not on the person that's doing the podcast or putting out the content. Whether someone's content's good or not, you know, I respect anyone that, you know, follows what they want to do. And if someone gives them abuse for that, it's a reflection of the person giving abuse. It's just like, you know, they're taking their time out of their day to to abuse someone else. That's pretty that's pretty sad on their part, in my in my opinion. So you just have to you just have to think like that. But no, thankfully, we don't get much. We really don't get much at all. Well, funny enough, um, <clears throat> now, it depends. I know what you're saying there about giving people abuse. Like, I don't really particularly think people deserve abuse most of the time. But there was in one occasion I got bought on Twitter for giving somebody abuse. And um, <laughs> it, it was Pierce Morgan. So, oh, right. yeah. But you know what? It was, <clears throat> it was Arsene Wenger's final home game. For, um, and I was at it. Obviously, I'd had a few bevies and seeing this tweet from Piers Morgan, like basically not giving a shit and slagging off anger. And I just like, I, I didn't send the worst thing in the world, like, but you know, I said enough that Twitter, and you know what? Even Piers Morgan took notice because the fact that he reported me to get me banned meant Piers Morgan took notice of me and it affected him. And you know what? Sometimes he deserves a bit of shit, but I totally, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, you know, people that go out of their way to abuse someone is yeah. just they're just dickheads like um i i fully expect that if we keep on our trajectory and i keep slobbering the way i do that i am probably going to be prone to abuse in the future because Bill <laughs> has said many times that we're probably going to need a lawyer for the sports battle <laughs> and, and uh, he's probably right but you know when that when that when that time comes we'll cross that bridge but yeah we'll, I, I we'll think cross it, that tottenham bridge when we come to it like that Tottenham Bridge crumbled a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I, I think, but I think really... you have to like. I think you have to look at like when you look at. I always use like AFTV as, a, as an example. Now I don't agree with everything AFT puts out, and that's me as an Arsenal fan. But mm. they they have been you know fans a voice and, and a, a platform to voice their opinion, just like you guys are voicing your opinion on on football. Not everyone's going to agree with you, but it, it's healthy debate. <clears throat> You know, and I think that's super important in in every sport because the fans are what make every single sport a sport without fans is you know what's the point? So I think you're you you will get abuse and you'll get people like um, not agreeing with your opinion, but I've yeah, I, I've actually met and had not you know confrontations with AFTV before, but. Um... I have came across them while I've been over at Arsenal, and like I, I do agree. Like I think the the idea of what that platform was was a great idea, and 
I think what's really killed <clears throat> Robbie, who, who runs that platform, is he keeps getting the same idiots on every week because he knows, like, and you can't really blame him for that because that's what's bringing him in the views and if that's yeah. the money. So, yeah. but I think he needs to kind of, and he's not going to because let's be honest, like, it's making him money and it's changed his life. Like, yeah. if, you, if you've heard him talk about his story and what he was doing to where he is now, like, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think he's the worst person in the world, but he can he is responsible for the people that are on his platform the same way that, that me and Phil and Patrick and Brenton are who's responsible for stuff who comes under ours. But yeah. Um on over to probably Arsenal. You obviously are a big sporting fan and a big Arsenal fan. What's what's got Sports you supporting got supporting the, the Arsenal? Um actually well my whole family are Liverpool fans. So I think, like, <laughs> at, at the minute, I maybe wish <laughs> I wish I would have went that way. But uh, but no, it was like, I was supporting Arsenal when I was like seven or eight. So around what the good old days, you know, the 2002, 2003 <laughs> like seasons. Um, and I I really liked Arsenal because I liked the way they played football. And you know, they had really flair players. You know, like that team of. You know, Henri, Perez, Burkamp, Jumberg, like that was that was magic. Like, and I, I, at that age, I was like this Arsenal team, and I think I think my brother had to support Arsenal, and I had never like I I only followed, you know, whatever whatever team my mom dressed me in the pajamas of, which I think was United, which I think was United, which is probably every kid at one stage, but um, then I was like. Yes. I, I exactly. I think we all had a pair of United pajamas. I think they were the only club had pajamas in the shop. But um, <laughs> I was like, I was just like, I don't want to support Liverpool. I'll watch. I'll watch something of Arsenal. And obviously, they were going through such this this great period. And then, thankfully, you know that the the early kind of two three years of me supporting them, they went unbeaten, won the Premier League, won the FA Cup. I was and this is great. This is going to be a fantastic, a fantastic journey of supporting Arsenal. But unfortunately, after 2006, I remember crying when we lost the Champions League final in 2006. You're not allowed to talk about that. You're not allowed to talk about that in this podcast. Uh, well, it was. It still haunts me to this. I was only 11. Um, me, and one of my be- me, and, me and my best, my best mate. We were like, we were watching it like I do they? And we were like terrified. Um, I remember Sol. I remember Sol Campbell scoring that goal, and I was like, "Ah, oh, my days." And then we won't talk about the, the rest of that game, but yeah, from from then on, I've just been an avid Arsenal fan. Um, and obviously, it's been yeah, it's been a. We've had some great players over the years. Like, don't get me wrong, but we just have have lacked silverware. And then, of course, we start winning the FA Cup whenever it doesn't matter anymore. But. <laughs> I, think, I think we're slowly starting to rebuild. I, I do. A lot of people say, you know, football is so impulsive now. Like you see with Chelsea, like no one, they never give any manager time, but you don't get much time anymore. It's a results business, and you know, it's it's they're churning managers, and it's so it's so down to like TV rights and 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 winning trophies, and you have to get success. But I do really believe in what I think Arteta is a very good coach. I was doubtful of his managerial skills, like his player management. Obviously, he's never done it before. But he has. He's getting rid of dead wood. He's getting rid of, you know, players that, that we don't want there. I do see a, a long-term vision. It's just whether he gets the money and he gets the time. I think that's what it's going to come down to. 
And it's really hard to compete with the likes of City and Chelsea. With well, Chelsea aren't doing great, but the money that these clubs have, you know, Arsenal have built their stadium years ago. We should have money, but unfortunately, we have an owner that prefers American football. But but, uh-huh. but I think if we change that, it, it would help a lot. But no, it's it's. I think it's going in the right direction. There's more hope now than there was five years ago. I, I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. We can, we, can I just say it? It really just sounds like I'm listening to JD. Have you have you not talk, talk, talk to each other? We're all the same. We're, we're all the same. It's just uh, it's just heart wrenching supporting this club. Really, like uh, I agree. Like you know, growing up watching Terry Henry, who's been my, my all time favorite player. Like I love him. Like um, yeah. Dennis Bergkamp. Like and what what kind of grinds my teeth is we we've talked about it before in previous podcasts that. It seems to be players have fans now instead of clubs. And Mesut Ozil it seems to be one of those guys who, like, he's more Twitter followers than Arsenal do, which is, you know, says a lot yeah. about, like, how big it is now. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of a lot of people love to compare Ozil and Burkamp. And a lot of Ozil fans love to say that he's the best number 10 Arsenal ever had. And, like, don't get me wrong, I, I don't, like, Oz, I don't. I loved Ozil when he signed. I thought it was like mm-hmm. that's that night was just crazy. Like oh, I like, couldn't believe it. Couldn't and like believe. people now saying that Ozil was better than Burkamp. Like I don't think ever watched Dennis Burkamp kick a football because the man no. was just different gravy altogether. As as good as Ozil was, but he wanted to be good. Like I remember that game against Chelsea when Arsenal were three 0 at half time. Like he spun in Golo Kante. Like like he wasn't there, and like that was just Ozil at his best. Like. And, Chip goal against Liverpool and all like, but like I'm just kind of interested. What do you what do you think now about Ozil going and like, how, did you think like his career with us was kind of fulfilled? Because I think maybe there was we didn't really get the full you know Ozil. Like I feel like he didn't really like he didn't show up. He hasn't been playing in a big six game away from London for Arsenal since 2017. So like it's it's a bit disappointing the way it's kind of finished uh, with Arsenal. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, I think it's similar to the way Wenger left. I think they both they both probably left. Like obviously the political thing issues and stuff came into Ozil's career, but they had like whenever Ozil first came and he had some absolute magic moments. Like there's no doubt he was his talent is undeniable. Like it definitely is. But Mm -hmm. I think as you say, his brand is so huge. I think the people like were. People just started to to kind of, I suppose it caused a divide a little bit between Arsenal fans because some people were such big fans of Ozil that they kind of got away from Arsenal a little bit and and the the most important thing for the club. But I'm I'm glad he's gone. I I was sad to see him go. Don't get me wrong, because I loved the player whenever he was playing regularly. But it just it was getting a bit stale. Obviously, you know his big wages. We're just very fortunate. And I'm glad that he's going to be playing football again. You know, whatever the reasons were, whether it was the politics or whether he was, you know, I still think he was a bit lazy, maybe. I, I only I only say that kind of, we, we never know, but I just think maybe he had a tendency. And whenever he was at Madrid, he had the best players around him. So I think maybe he just didn't want to just have the same fight whenever he was put into a worse team. Um mm-hmm. And then it just kind of slowly dwindled out. But I think it's it's best for Arsenal and Ozil that, that he's gone now. And he's kind of, you know, back playing football again and whatever. 
and we get the wages kind of <laughs> off the wage bill, which is ludicrous. Like, and then we've given them to William, which is crazy. Uh, I don't know what oh, it was, is going yeah. on there. Don't don't get Johnny started on William. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, it makes me so sad. I, I was watching him. That chance that fell to him um, against United there, like that falls to any. I, I would even back Rob Holding to put that in. <laughs> it's, oh, it, it hurts. It hurts. And seeing the way, like that seems to be an issue with Arsenal. We seem to, whoever pays, gives the players wages, needs, like, there's something seriously wrong there. And you're seeing it in our younger players that are getting maybe 20, 30,000 pounds a week. They even mm-hmm. perform them guys that are get, sitting there getting 200 grand a week. It's, it's crazy. Like, it's it's crazy, but I'm glad we have these younger players now because hopefully, if we can keep hold of them, you know, in five years' time, our team will be in a very good place. But it's just having the team and and giving them the kind of foundations and the plan that they want to stay. I think that's going to be the probably the biggest issue. But oh, William makes me so sad. But anyway, <laughs> uh, unbelievably sad. Like I, I think Arsenal's best bit of business last summer was extending Saka's contract. Like. Just how good he is now, like, and he totally meant that goal against Chelsea. I don't care what anybody says. Or what I Tammy think he did. Says. I think he did as well. Yeah, the commentators were giving him nothing, and I think, I think he definitely did. But I suppose he's the only one we'll ever know. He's, he seems like a really, really like humble kid. Like he seems yeah. very honest. So I, I, I'll believe him. But it was, a, it was a great finish, and it went in. So that's all that matters, I guess. But yeah, I, I think that game kind of took us all by surprise. Maybe not you, Brent. Brenton is a Chelsea fan, in case you didn't know, but um, I suppose Chelsea's form was a bit kind of going downhill at that stage. But like, it's just this current team, you know, compared to like before Christmas when we went and played United there on Saturday, even the fact that we had a few players missing, I still thought we can get a result. And if you had to say that to me before Christmas, I would have said absolutely not. Like, the game finished yeah. with Arsenal having 17 shots and goals, and United had 14, which is just absolutely mad for a nil nil. Like, but um, one thing I definitely took away from Saturday's game was that Bruno Fernandes is a little shh, shh, shite. Because you know what? There's a swear jar here, and my girlfriend says I swear too much, so a pine goes in every time I say something bad. But that's the first time I've kind of really watched, you know, a full United game with Bruno playing. Like I, I'll admit, he's a good player, and he's obviously changed United's form. But he really pissed me off on Saturday, and the fact that he didn't even get booked when he stuck the studs right down the back of. Jacka's ankle, and mm. a lot of people have said it. Like, if that was Granite Jacka, which seems to be a lot of things with tackles now when it's in an Arsenal game, if that was Granite Jacka, that would have been maybe a red card because of just you know the player's reputation. Like, I just thought he didn't even get booked, and VAR looked at it, and VAR is another conversation. You know, it's absolutely. <laughs> but it's just I don't know. Like, I felt the game kind of went went all right on Saturday. Um, it was a bit boring at stages, like, but. I suppose both teams kind of are happy with the draw. Like I don't know if you watched it yourself or what you thought. I know I did watch it. It was um, I I was nervous. I, I'm always nervous playing United because obviously everyone has United mates and every any of the <clears throat> the so-called top six. I, I don't even, we're not even really a top six club anymore. But um, we'll be back as they say. But um, but no, I don't think it was. I was with the with the players we had missing. I was very happy with the draw. Now, don't get me wrong. I was annoyed we didn't win because I think we had the chances to win. But then again, on the flip side, Cavani had a great chance towards the end. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they had, a, they had a couple of chances that were, 
you know, very, very scorable. So, no, I think on the on the balance of play and and with the play, like Saka, Saka, Aubameyang, uh, and Tierney, I would say they are three best players when they're yeah. when they're on their on form. And Tierney and Saka have been on form. So when you take your three best players out of the squad and you still get a draw and look like you could have won the game, you have to take positives from that. Um, and any, I think an Arsenal fan that isn't taking positives from that doesn't really understand the game too too well because you have to you have to take them points when you can get them. Um, that Jacka thing, I totally agree. Jacka has kind of built this reputation, and it's his own fault because he's an absolute numpy sometimes when it comes to getting booked, and it drives me mad. He does this thing. I don't know if you've noticed. You definitely have. You watch Arsenal regularly. He he like backs into players and throws himself to the ground. Yeah. And referees have started to to catch on now. And mm-hmm. he doesn't get free kick. He doesn't get free kicks for it. And then he ends up losing us possession in really really valuable areas of the pitch because he's like he he feels a touch and he so dramatically throws himself to the ground. At least when Kane does it, he does it well and he gets free kicks. With Jaka does it. And now referees will just go, oh, that's Xhaka. He's a he's mm-hmm. a two. Just play on. And it's really, really frustrating. But I think Xhaka's been actually playing well in the last... He played well against United. I think he was probably one of our better players. Yeah. I, I kind of noticed that Xhaka does this quite a lot. Like, when he's... It, of course, when January when the January transfer was coming and there's talk of him going, like, whenever he's kind of under threat of getting booted out the door, he kind of just ups his game. And yeah. I think partly that with Thomas Partey coming into the team now as well, it's kind of helped him, you know. He doesn't feel yeah. like all the burden is on him, but I still think in the summer we need to get a center mid to kind of partner um, Thomas Partey because I don't think Jack is kind of the long-term option. And Paddy, he does the podcast with us as well. Like he said, you don't look at a midfield with Danny Ceballos and Granit Xhaka and think you're going to finish top four with the league. No. <laughs> no, you definitely don't. You definitely That's don't, a, unfortunately. Really I think that... That is, I think that is that you're spot on there. If you look at our squad, we're, we're not a top four squad. Like, we're definitely not. We've got maybe five or six top four players, but that's about it. And the majority of them are younger players, which is borderline embarrassing. Like, um, so I think it is. It's going to be a rebuild. It's going to be a rebuild. But that's why I'm glad to see Arteta. You know, get rid of you know a lot of Deadwood and get rid of your Socrates and trying to get rid of Mustafi and you know all these players that are kind of just they're never going to get you anywhere. Yes, they'll have the all good game. If you want to build a squad that are actually going to win things and and get proper results, you're going to have to go through a tough period. I know Arsenal fans have been going through it now for about ten years longer, but you know it's going to take. It's just now that Arteta's in, it's going to take a bit of time. It's not going to happen overnight, and it's going to take money. Like you have to spend money to buy, and then we, we of course, whenever we buy a player at seventy million, he, he's only started playing. He's had one good game in maybe in maybe a year and a half. So yeah. I don't know. It's it's tough. Like it's tough because the market's so inflated as well. Like you have to pay such big money for anyone that's showing any promise. Um, and if they can come to the like. You've seen what's happened with Chelsea, Werner, and and uh, yeah. what Havertz and things like that. I think them players will come good. I don't know about Werner; he's been awful. But I think mm-hmm. the other, you know, the other guys will come good. But it takes it takes players a while to adjust to the Premier League, and a lot of them are very young. You know, it's, it's it just takes time. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. You could pay a hundred million for a player, and he could be an absolute flop. I always think mm-hmm. of Robinho when he went to Man City. 
you know, he was coined as one of the best players in the world at the stage, and then he went to Man yeah. City and he disappeared. You know, yeah. so it, it, it can happen. But he did, he did think he was sending for United, though. <laughs> he was one of the first, wasn't he? He was one of the one of the yeah. big first city signings that that sort of they said, "Oh, we've arrived now." This yeah. is one of the big signings. Um, but that's what exactly what you were saying there about Arteta. Like, obviously, I'm a Chelsea fan, and, and the reaction, the initial reaction I had with that, um, I don't know what you think about it, is he didn't get that time that Arteta seems to be getting that Arsenal. There's, there's, you know. Even when Arsenal were going through that difficult spell, there wasn't as much pressure on Arteta um, in terms of his job security as there was uh, on Lampard. And then, you know, uh, as you said, Chelsea are ruthless. They, they just let him go as, as soon as there was a uh, a bad run of form. But do you think Arteta, Arsenal seem like the type of club who are going to give Arteta a bit more time to develop? And with those young players that he's brought through already, they, they seem like, you know, they, once he gets it right, uh, they could be dangerous for consistency you know for a couple of years which is probably what Arsenal have lacked yeah no no, 100% definitely I think I think the FA Cup bought Arteta a bit of time as well Um, I think if he didn't win the FA Cup he'd be under a lot more pressure but I think yeah I think one thing about Arsenal although like the board and stuff will will have their critics and I'd like Kroenke, the, the owners, just, I don't know what's going on. I, I don't think anyone likes him because he doesn't take his wallet out. But, like, I think they do trust Arteta's plan. And the fact they kind of, you know, they took him from City and he was learning from Pep. I definitely see something with Arteta. And I, I can tell that he's an extremely good coach. Probably one of the best coaches out there. You know, uh, he was under Pep for so long. And he's, he's obviously very talented in that way. I don't want to be one of them clubs that just, you know sacks the manager as soon as he's under the cosh. I think with Chelsea, they're so ruthless, and Abramovich has always been like this. Like they sacked Di Matteo after winning the Champions League. Like you know that's yeah. that's just what happens. But that's just the way Chelsea's like. That's just kind of in the DNA of Chelsea. But I think Arsenal will give a little bit more time. I think I do still think they're cautious though. They obviously let Wenger stay too long, but then Wenger bought so much loyalty and he brought so much to the club. He kind of, you know, Arteta had an FA Cup that, that gave him a bit of time, but Wenger had, like, you know, unbeatable season, like Premier Leagues and so much kind of loyalty to the club. That bought him probably 10 extra years that arguably, you know, had way too yeah. much time, way too much time. It was That's what kind of ultimately turned the fans and things like that. But I do think, no, I think there's enough signs to let Arteta have time and Arteta hasn't really had you know he hasn't had a summer transfer window yet he's still trying to make the most of players that aren't his and I guess you have to at least give him time to to bring players in um, and I think Arsenal will definitely do that and I'm definitely a fan that wants Arteta to be given time because I don't want to I think if we sack him where where are you going to go like where who are you going to get in like a manager just to steady the ship and then just you know, repeat the process. Mm-hmm. We tried it with Emery, didn't work. We might as well go. Youth has worked on the pitch, so we might as well let youth see what they can do in the management position. He's he's an ex-Arsenal player. He's obviously a very good coach. It could be a masterstroke, and in three or four years, he could be one of the best managers around, or he could be one of the worst. You know, so we'll just mm-hmm. we'll hope for that. We'll hope for the the first thing I said there, but um, only time will tell, I guess. Yeah, he he um 
before Christmas there, I taxed them boys and I actually I thought if he didn't get a result, now not the Chelsea game, but I think everybody kind of wrote the Chelsea game off like they're going to do us. But yeah. the Brighton and West Brom game, like if he didn't get results, I I just said he was dust. Like he's yeah. going to get the sack. But it's, it's interesting because like if the rules were reversed and Frank was Frank had Arsenal's board and you know Arteta had Rabanfis, like there's no doubt Frank was still being a job today and. I would say Arteta would have been gone long before Christmas under Oh yeah. Like, but it, oh, it is yeah. interesting, like, you know, he has got rid of the Deadwood, like Mustafi's apparently been confirmed that he's going to shotgun. Thank God, because I cannot stand <laughs> that human being. It just throws my head and he's just a terrible defender. I mean I thought he was going to Liverpool, I was trying to wind that up with it, but now he's going to <laughs> shotgun out of the road. Like, but that's right, he does there's so much Deadwood there from Bangor's years, like, you know, yeah. contracts to players for God knows what reason. Like he gave Granite Shaka an extension and, and friggin' Mustafi signing him for thirty million. Like that must be the worst bit of business we've done as a football club. Like it's it's shocking. Like, you know, the players that were there and like I always liked Alex Awobi, but I just thought he's just not gonna be at that level where he needs to be good enough to play for Arsenal. Like I like him and he came up through the Arsenal Academy and all that there, but it was it was such good business that Arsenal got rid of him and I think we got like forty million. Or which, um, yeah, which is incredible. Yeah, and this we got forty million. The same for the Ox as well. Like you know, we just didn't fulfil his potential, and I think he still hasn't done that with Liverpool either. He's been injury prone again, and mm-hmm. just hasn't shown what what he's made of. I think we got forty five million for him too, which that's that's the kind of deals we should be doing instead of like I understand like we have to get rid of Socrates, we let him go for nothing. The same with Ozil, like Danny Welbeck, Alexis Sanchez, and Mkhitaryan swap deal, like. Jesus, like, what was that? Yeah, we have thrown uh, players away. Aaron Ramsey, like, we could have got decent money for Aaron Ramsey. And just yeah. It's just that the whole... The way the the goes, run, goes on and on. Yeah, it needs to change because you've seen how smart Liverpool are. They're so Coutinho got it on Dave Palace and won the league, like, a year later. So that, that's kind of where Arsenal kind of need to get to, I think. It all comes down to, it all comes down to smarter choices, I think. I don't know who makes the decisions, but... It does all like you look at Liverpool and every bit of business they done was spot on. You know they they whether it was Klopp or whether it was FSG or whoever, but you know they got rid of or they they brought in Van Dijk and Allison and them two players essentially won them the league, you know and won them the Champions League pretty much. I know obviously they they have a good squad as well and obviously their attack it's not been firing at the minute but I do it's probably it looks like it's starting to fire again but like they have an unbelievable squad. And then, but then their younger players, their worst players, kind of feed into that mentality. Then, and that's what drives them on. But whereas it's our younger players that are are showing the most promise, and then don't have the older players around them that are kind of going to give you a solid seven, eight out of ten performance every week. You'll get a you'll get a two out of ten one week from Xhaka, and then the next week will be ten out of ten. You know, yeah. it's so inconsistent across the board. So I think get rid of the dead wood start to rebuild and start to like, you know, just pick bits off and put players in there. I think the Odegaard business is decent, but it's obviously not going to be long term. But I think he'll, he'll plug a hole there for, for kind of creativity because Danny Ceballos just doesn't do it for me. Like he, he really doesn't. Some some games he looks quite good and then like he just disappears other games. And as as you say, he doesn't strike fear into anyone, does he? Like if I yeah. was play, when I'm playing for Mount Joy and Danny Sabayas come up against me, I'd be like, "Nah, I'd be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be grand." I think I've had my uh, had my fill of Arsenal chat, <laughs> but um, no, Tim, you mentioned Mount Joy there, um, and 
I know you're a busy man. I just want to uh, um, get your thoughts on um, before you go your own football. And obviously, um, I play a bit myself, and it, it's such a it's such a part of the routine going to training during the week, getting, seeing the lads on a Saturday and meeting up for match day. And you know, you get the crack and you get the exercise, and it's a great way to socialize. How, how have you missed that, and, and what way has that affected you? Oh, massively, Ma- massively. You know. I, I like I love football. Like I went through it. Like I played football. The start of playing football really tells I was about 15, 17, 18. I played badminton all my childhood, um, and then okay. I I started playing football. I literally started cycling. I couldn't get a lift, so I started cycling to Bear Swifts, and that that was about seven right. eight miles. So I was wrecked by the time the game came up. But um, <laughs> but now I started playing, and then I went away to uni, and I took up rowing, so I went completely away from football. And, and rode for four years and then I came back and then I just went back into Mount Joy. Mount Joy, like a lot of my mates from school are there. And I was at the stage where I just wanted to enjoy playing football. I, I love yeah. I love playing football all my life. So I was like, I don't want to, I always dedicate myself to things, but I'm like, I enjoy playing, uh, kicking the ball on, on a Saturday and training throughout the week. So I just want to enjoy this in my 20s, you know. So I was like, right, I'll, I'll fall back in here. And I loved it. I loved it. You know, played regularly for Mount Joy. And then when that was taken away, you kind of don't know what to do. Saturday is just another day now, where Saturday used to be, you know, you get up, have your Football breakfast, day. and then you, you'd be buzzing. Like, I, I used to be buzzing, like, on a Saturday morning. And Mount Joy, we were going through a rough period. So I shouldn't have been buzzing. Like we were, I was, it's nearly a blessing that the season was cancelled. Let's just put it that way. But, um, <laughs> like, I just I just miss that feeling of match day and then just hanging about the clubhouse afterwards, you know, like hanging about with the lads and then training throughout the week. You just miss that, like you just miss it. And I there's no better feeling than, than playing on a Saturday. And and we're lucky at Mount Joy, you know, we've got a we've got a really good club, a good clubhouse, a, a decent wee bit of support that would come to every game. And it's a real family club, you know, so it's it's a yeah. really enjoyable environment. And when you get that taken away, you just like uh, what like, what I do? We try to obviously with my fitness background. You know, I done plans for the lads, and we we kept that up. But then when mm-hmm. we thought football was going to come back, and then we thought it was going to come back in January, and then now I think we've all conceded that like this season's going to be cancelled. But it's just like you don't see. I just want to get to the point where we can see a start. You know, a start time again, and where we're going to be yeah. able to play again because you just can't. You can't replace that. You just can't replace that that Saturday. You can replace the training side of it, and you can run all you want, and you can do workouts in your, you can do burpees in your living room. Not that fun, but you can do that. But it never replaces playing the game on a Saturday. You can't replace that. So, so I miss it massively, massively. Yeah, and I think we'll that'll be part of the things that we all really appreciate when we go back is just you know even on a on a freezing Tuesday night being able to go out to training and see the lads and interact and and just do normal training drills like it seems like such a, a trivial thing right now a hundred percent and i think you know, we, i think we took it for granted i think we took a lot of things for granted i think that's one positive that's going to come out of this whole experience is people will appreciate the smaller th- that seems so as you say trivial but mm. people will appreciate them so much more you know playing football going for a coffee meeting your mates you know, going to a festival, all these things that we just took for granted, traveling, you know, shooting across England. I used to, I used to fly over to England quite regularly because a lot of my mates are over there. I haven't seen yeah. a lot of my mates, my best mates in, you know, over a year. 
So you take yeah. all these things for granted. So I think that's definitely a positive. You know, whenever we get back to being able to do that, it'll be like, you know, I've never talked drugs, but I can imagine <laughs> it'll be like, it'll be like taking a hit of something, you know, <laughs> whenever we get back to doing these things, because we haven't done them in so long and it'll just be like, whenever I, I'm able to sit in Cafe Nero again, I'll be buzzed off my tits. Like, I'll not know. <laughs> yeah, well, do you know what? To be honest, I think that is a great place to end it. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, a, um, that's a solid place to end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a great chat. And um, we always love talking about football with whoever comes on. So um, you're welcome back at any stage. No, I appreciate it, lads. And thanks for having me on. It was, uh, it was a great chat. And again, as I said, great to chat to someone that's not a member of my family as much as i love my family always <laughs> nice to, to chat to different people so no i really appreciate it lads. cheers no Tim. thanks cheers all the best